the Snakecast, everyone. It's Monday, and I am Jonathan. And I am Emily. So we're going to just do sort of a retrospective of 2017 this week. And uh, where better to start than with the games that harken back to earlier years? looks like it's like not possible for someone to be happy just making one successful game you know like and i don't mean a designer making several different games after the success of a big one there's so many sequels out there you know it makes sense i mean when people are trying to decide what game they're gonna get they're gonna gravitate towards familiar things same reason why sequels and stuff are big with movies yeah it's funny, that bleeds into everything. You know, people complaining, there's no original movies. It's all sequels and remakes and superheroes. And now it's like, there are no original board games. It's all sequels and remakes and reskins. I don't know. I think some of the uh, the sequels have done really well. Like, take Codenames Duet, for example. And Codenames was this huge, really popular party game for good reason. And one of the problems with it was that it's not great for two players. Mm-mm. And we had so many people show up at the cafe for, that, for Snakes and Lattes. It was amazing having Codenames Duet because it's cooperative. For one thing, lots of couples like to play co-op games. Yep. And it works really, really well. Mm-hmm. It takes the Codenames concept and makes it function brilliantly as a two-player co-op game. So how is it different than just playing regular Codenames as a two-player? I mean, I've played regular Codenames two-player, and it's just like, you know, one person one person's giving out clues, one person is guessing. And then there's sort of playing basically against the clock with the idea that every round you flip up one of the cards that belongs to the AI, so to speak, right? So here's how Codenames Duet goes. The cards are double-sided, mm-hmm. but you use both sides. One person can see oh, one side, the other okay. person can see so the other like side. okay, so like everyone is both simultaneously exactly. guessing and playing. So simultane- each each of the agents that's on the table, so some of them are safe for you to contact, mm-hmm. some of them are safe for your partner to contact. Some of them will pretend they don't know you, some of them will pretend they don't know them, some will kill you if you talk to them, some will kill them if they talk to them. So you have to guide your teammate to the ones that are safe. And not lead them to the three this time. Not one, but three oh, wow. who will kill you. So it's riskier to make random guesses this time Okay, so it's, it was last it's time. not so much that there's someone else that you're trying to beat. It's just you're just trying not to get not to not to not to uh, run out of time yeah. mm-hmm. and not to take t- and not to be too reckless with it. Uh, there's also on every card there are always three agents that both players have in common. Okay, always exactly three. And there's always one person exactly who will kill you if you touch them, but your teammate needs to find them. Cool. So it's That's it, cool. It's it's tense, it's clever, it works really, really well. Spyfall two was another follow up on uh, on a game that was really popular before and I think it was just more places, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if the original Spyfall is getting sort of stale for you. Spyfall 2 is a really good sort Spyfall. of impact for it. Yeah. And that's like less exciting. I mean I think that I've talk to you about ways that I would make Spyfall more interesting if you were going to make a second edition or an expansion of it, but they didn't really do anything very thoughtful with didn't it, they did they? did like, the possibility of a second spy being around? Yeah. Who's, like, on a team yeah. the first one? that's about it, you know. Mm-hmm. They um, can't all be winners. They did um, Betrayal at Baldur's Gate, which is a Dungeons & Dragons re-theme uh, of Betrayal at House on the Hill. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> um, that seems cool. I mean, Betrayal at House on the Hill has always been about the crazy, weird stories that come yeah. up. And being able to take the thing to Dungeons and Dragons land sort of... Gives you more room to be weirder, sure. right? Sure. Uh, it's, it's, it's more options, and it's, it's not going to be worse, I'm sure. 
Uh, unlike, say, Queen Domino, for example. David's not going to be happy to hear this, but I really love King Domino. Mm-hmm, I thought it was, it was great. It was a real winner from 2016. Um, so simple, so clever. And so, oh, I know what we'll do. We'll just appease the hardcore Eurogaming crowd by making it way, way, way more complicated. That's not the point. <sighs> now, having said that, a lot of people think that Queen Domino leaves King Domino in the dust. But... Um, it's 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 again it's 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 audacious enough that I think it deserves to be published at the very least. I mean, it's not a case of just phoning in a sequel. Mm-hmm. It's a case where they really did rethink this in a radical way and have added so much more to it that yes, it's recognizable, but it's a thoroughly different experience and a thoroughly different game. So the, the complaint about sequels and remakes is sometimes think, valid. Sometimes valid, yes, but in this case, I think they've actually really tried to. To bring something new to the table. So, how about all those escape room games, huh? Oh my god! When did it, so? When did real life escape room games become a thing? It was like 2015, 2014? I think twenty fifteen was when we yeah. started hearing god, about and those. They were everywhere. It, like within six months, there was like dozens and dozens of them throughout the city. It was crazy. And I mean, I guess it's only a matter of time that people want to take what they do in real life and apply it to their tabletops, I guess. The development cycle for tabletop games tends to be about a year or so. Mm -hmm. Um, It's it's lengthened by production and and that sort of thing. But 2017 was unquestionably the year of the escape room game. Uh, There's the Unlock series Mm -hmm. and the Exit Exit, series, both very popular. the difference between them, I think, was it Unlock is the one that's replayable and Exit yeah. is the one where you actually destroy yeah. the game in the process of playing it? Yeah, which sort of harkens to one of the other big trends of 2017 that we're going to be talking about that is more legacy games, right? I mean, oh, you yeah. could argue that like games like Exit, where things get like smashed and thoroughly mm-hmm. you know, corrupted and tainted forever, are kind of legacy-like, you know? In a way, yes. And um, that also reminds me of what they did with the reprint of Sherlock Holmes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective was always sort of a, a one-shot deal, because once you solved the case, you were done. But the new one has these Jack the Ripper segments in them. Yeah, so there's four individual Jack the Ripper cases that are all connected, and even says explicitly in the rule book, like, you're not going to succeed in cases like one, two, and three. And it's interesting to sort of be presented with, like, a game and a puzzle that they're explicitly telling you that you're not going to win, you know? That's fascinating. I know, and it really sort of, like, touches on that legacy-ish thing of, you know, you're playing multiple games, but sometimes the results are irrelevant, and sometimes you lose and it's irrelevant, and sometimes you can't do anything but lose or but win. That's all part of the experience, Mm -hmm. which in a way feels oddly sort of mature, you know, accepting that loss is part of play. Yeah, and that, you know, you're just going to be gathering information, which may lead you to a win later on. It's also very sort of realistic to, I think, crime solving in general, you know, sometimes mm-hmm. you lose some, but you've learned something valuable for the next time, and so on. The uh, We also had a sort of a brief spate of Mars being a theme. We've yeah. Terraforming Mars and First Martians. There's a few more that I can't think of or they may just still be in production but yeah those made both of them like made like huge splashes i mean especially terraforming mars it really sort of felt like it ushered in Mm -hmm. this new or it really like exemplified this new trend of space games that are less about sort of like wishy-washy vague sci-fi themes but more about you know putting a little bit more hard science 
into Very your sci-fi up. games. You know, you're like you're building stuff, and you've got a, you've got your little hydroponic systems, and your like water purification plants and stuff like that. I mean, it was so popular that it came out this year, and it's already got two expansions that are out. You know, wow. I mean, they're just maps, That's I think, work. but like so fast, so fast. So yeah, it's th- those are some of the things that we saw in 2017. On Wednesday, we're going to talk about the absolute deluge of cafe games. Oh my goodness, places like Snakes and Lattes are doing amazing with these things. And um, we're going to talk about them on Wednesday. See you then. Bye.